create this situation, I'm dealing with it. You're acting like a first year fucking thief. I'm acting like a professional. Ready when you are. <laughs> Get it all out. Welcome to the Hotel New Zealand, everybody. This is Slob Cinema. Omar and AJ. We're a little late in the month of October, but life gets in the way sometimes, and the podcast sometimes has to take a back seat. But we still love it, so we're here again, still talking about spooky Halloween movies. Today's pick was Peter Jackson's 1996 The Frighteners, an Omar pick. Directed by... Peter Yaxson. Fat Yaxson. Yeah, Fat Yaxson, not uh, Thin Yaxson. Mm-hmm. How many how many iterations of uh, Fat and Thin Yaxson do we have? I think I think he's gotten uh, Thin to 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 pumpkin stagecoach <laughs> size to Thin to mildly obese to Thin to old man thin i think he's now officially just in that you know once you hit like 65 if you're not super rotund you just uh hit that sort of old man weight where you can uh, keep off the pounds because you're just eating like salads for dinner not like uh our other guy guillermo del toro no, who's well, del toro is dedicated to remaining a fat man <laughs> pushing like thank you for this horde <laughs> Ah, uh, fuck, man. That's how he sounded when he got the uh, Oscar, Pinocchio, you said? Yeah, he was, <laughs> Maybe they seated him too far away, but I think he was in, like, the third row, so I don't know <laughs> what happened. What's Peter Jackson working on now, man? Uh, I don't know. Keeping rich from the six Lord of the Rings movies that they keep releasing on Blu-ray, like, every two months? Yeah, that's true. I saw that, uh... The World War One documentary recently. Mm-hmm. That one was good. Okay, I didn't see it. I don't know. People was upset about the the they did like the old timey film, and then they kind of did the digital colorization. And people had a problem with it. We might have talked about this already, but yeah, you, sh- you it, shall not grow old. Yeah, they shall not grow old. Yeah. yeah, I enjoyed it. It was pretty good, man. Just a bunch of old guys giving telling horror stories, you know. Um, what's your what's your October look like? What movies you've been watching, dude? Because mm-hmm. this is the time where you are you're always watching a lot of movies, but mm-hmm. October I always there's a spike in my yeah. letterbox because I usually watch a lot. Yeah. Um, you, me, and and a friend of ours, Peter, uh, got together and watched seven movies in one day, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Maybe not to some of you, but for me. A guy who falls asleep on the couch a lot. A guy with a five-month-old baby. It's uh, insane, but we made it work. Yeah, that 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 was that night. Uh, day into night was extremely fun. Um, I think that order went. Uh, what was it? What was the first one? 
We started out with Psychomania. Oh, Psychomania. And that was it, my and pick. And then it was Creepshow 2, Peter's. Then it was New York Ripper, mine. Then it was Petey Wheatstraw, or The Devil's Son-in-Law. Mm-hmm. Then it was Moonstalker. Moonstalker. Then it was Dagon, and then it was My Bloody Valentine. Yep, and then uh, we called it a night, but it was uh, a long one, a fun one, a lot of candy. Then we ate some pizza. What did we eat then? Uh, we uh, went to Red Lion Pub. Oh, yeah, that's right. We had a and, little... Uh, and the waitress tried to keep, keep us there for like four more beers while our food got cold. Yep, well, and we got ordered takeout, and that shit was sitting right at the bar, and... Peter was going to kill somebody. He was like, I'm going to jump over this fucking counter and grab that and my, my uh, well, uh, filet of fish Yeah, his <laughs> fish sandwich. Yeah, so we watched all of those. I mean, I think uh, for me, New York Ripper was the standout. I gave that one a four out wow. of five. Yeah, that one was sleazy and, I don't know, I really freaky. Have, yeah, I thought I might have scared you off of uh, liking it because there was um, uh, a fair amount of violence, which I remember you... Uh, saying something along the lines of you hadn't seen shit like that before, particularly the razor blade in the eye moment. Yeah, and, and that's the, supposed the, to be the, uh, the the breast mutilation. There was yeah, there was a, a few uh, breast cutting mm-hmm. or nipple nipple ripping nipple, nipple cut something, which is weird, but it it was it got the most rise out of me. Mm-hmm. And uh, Italian film, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Lucio Fulci. Yeah, Fulci, you sick son of a bitch, uh, from 1982. That one was probably the standout. But Petey Weedstraw, we were cracking up in. Yeah. Uh, Dagon, we watched it like, what was it, like 10 or 11 at night? So it was a perfect freaky moment. Uh, it was the last. The night. Yeah, well, it was the second to last. We watched My Bloody Valentine after, but that was sort of the, the cool down. But the peak night mm-hmm. atmosphere movie was definitely Dagon. And yeah, and uh, Moonstalker, that was one of those just classic, uh, just killing, that was slasher considered, people dying, uh, silliness going on. Uh, since then, what have you watched? I've watched, uh, I've, I've watched a handful of them since we, that day. Um, I, I did put out a new review for uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, I rewatched that, which is a yearly thing, if not... I'll watch that whenever. It's just a great movie. But uh, around October specifically, I like watching that. Uh, at least a few. Friday the 13th. The first Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, the Shining. The Thing. Um, Trick or Treat. Michael Doherty's film, Trick or Treat. And then there's another fun 80s movie from 86 called Trick or Treat that I also watch. Uh, with cameos by Gene Simmons and Ozzy Osbourne. Mm. I've heard of that one. Uh, I think they did it on uh, Red Letter Media. Uh, yeah, that's probably where um, I've seen it, yeah. And then it's usually, you know, those are the kind of the main tenants, and then uh, it depends. You know, I'll, I'll watch regular movies in October, too. They're not all horror movies, but mainly a lot of uh, just usual or repeat watches for the month. Have you watched anything new? Where you're like, oh, this we just kind of took you by surprise, or you're like happy you saw uh, it. Last October and uh, repeated this time, I watched on Netflix the movie The Ritual, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which was a very spooky movie. 
Um, that one's gaining popularity because I. It's been I hope the- that one gets a U.S. physical release because I'd really love to own that one mm-hmm. and not have to rely on it being streaming or whatever. Because that was definitely one where I don't I don't ingest a lot of new horror for whatever reason. If it's you know there's the oddball, the wailing, or the ritual, or a couple others where if if I hear they're really really good, I'll check them out. But. Um, mm-hmm. Um, and I'll dip my toes. It depends. It depends. I guess for whatever reason, just there's so many conjuring the nun, that type of stuff vein of horror that I'm not really into that a lot of it seems to be like that. So I don't do a lot of investigating, I guess. And there's terrifiers. A- the terrifiers have been new. Mm-hmm. new but you didn't, new. you weren't interested in that or were you? Terrifier. Know. Oh yeah. Okay. Then that's just straight gore. Mm-hmm. Killing mutilation. Uh, although I haven't seen terrifier too, but I did see the first terrifier when it came out initially. Oh man, I thought that one was gonna mm. register. Well, passing gas on podcasts. Uh, sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it was a ghost. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Ghost, ghost farts. There's ghost piss, ghost jizz, ghost farts. You're not into the newer stuff. Just it's very demon centric, which I don't. I'm not into uh, that either. Oh, uh, I guess a newer one that's come out in the past couple of years was Malignant. I saw that in theaters. And, that's and fun. really and really liked it. it sounds yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen that yet, but I, <laughs> I've seen I've seen some clips, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm excited about that. One. That's a COVID movie. That one came. Oh, out, one you know. I I rewatched recently that was used to be kind of like constantly just watching throughout the year was, but uh, just took a visit to Half Price Books the other day and sold some stuff and picked up, uh, The Cabin in the Woods. Mm. On blue. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that movie? Yeah, I saw it in theaters. I saw it in theaters mm-hmm. too. But, um, with a woman I saw it alone <laughs> uh, that's AJ watching movies alone since, it, movies alone since before since, it was cool since, since, since 1992 <laughs> Dog, I'm telling you um, now it's kind of cool I've seen little memes and stuff like I go to the movies by myself I, I go out to dinner by myself and it's like a picture of Ryan Gosling I was like you're not Ryan Gosling <laughs> although I definitely get sucked into those videos where you're like It'll be clips from Ryan Gosling in his movies, and it's like, you are Ryan Gosling, and you're like, I am kind of like mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling. Uh, anyway. No, it's a good point, because he's always, he went on a little runway, he's, he's like autistic, an avatar. like all of us. <laughs> he's an avatar, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. No no character, but we get inside Lars of him. Lars and the real girl. That's, uh, that's before he hit it big time. Yeah, you know? that was he when was... he still had a little bit of heft to yep, him. Yep, yep. I cut you off, though. You were still... Um, where was I, Omar? You was oh, just talking oh, about Cabin the... in the Woods. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, you know, it came out in theaters, and it, 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 I think it, it, I think it, I learned all this later, but apparently it was like completed in 2009, but they didn't put it out till 2000, like mid 2011. And I'm surprised that's your guy, uh, Joss Whedon, huh? Yeah, r- writing it, and then Drew Goddard, who also did um, <laughs> a movie I really like called, um, oh, what's it called? Something at the El Royale. Mm hmm. Uh, is it, it's not battle. Recently, uh, I think 2019. Yeah, something like that. Um, bad show showdown at the El Royale. Anyway, I know it. It's good. Check it mm-hmm. out, Chris Hemsworth. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people in that one. A lot of a lot of star power in that one. Um, John Hamm, I know, is in, is is in that movie. Uh, who I don't feel has gotten enough credit as an actor. But anyway, getting back to it. His cock gets more credit for it. Yeah. It's like well, I hear about his <laughs> penis more than I hear about John Hamm. True, true. Um, 
But so I rewatched that after maybe not watching it for a number of years, like maybe even maybe even like eight, eight, nine years, something like that, because I used to watch it like almost constantly. And it was a it was a really nice rewatch. I really do love that movie. And I feel like it doesn't really get talked about too much. I know on some of the horror podcasts I listen to it, they do have episodes of it, but but they're not like super long or in-depth episodes. It seems to be a movie that people do like, but don't really converse about as much. And that might have to do with a little bit of Joss Whedon bullshit or not. I don't know. But uh, either way, I I thought that movie was really spectacular and rewatched it a couple times over the past month, either just the commentary or the movie. So The Cabin in the Woods, recommend. Is that, is the CGI holding up? Yeah. And actually, that was another thing I kind of forgot is a lot of it is practical Mm. effects. And then some of the crazier things, they inevitably have to use CGI. But the CGI that's in it is pretty good. Like, for a 2009 movie, wow. And the movie has a one great moment, a, a big mashup of a lot of horror horror things that horror fans will love. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen it. But if you're a horror fan, I, I assume you saw it. You mm-hmm. um, yeah, that movie... I remember texting y'all. I got, I you know, I was talking big shit, trying to say, yeah, I'm gonna watch Midsummer and uh, 2018 Suspiria. You know, two long, mm-hmm. you know, meaty horror movies. Did you mention it too, or no? No, I did see it too last year. Because that's also like three. That's hours, a meaty piece of crap. But it's yeah. like, uh, I I didn't watch Midsummer and I didn't watch uh, Suspiria. And I kind of told you guys I did like a faux pas. Maybe I, some people do it, but I just basically just watched a whole, um, a whole summary of the Suspiria movie. They broke it down how it compares to the old one, and I'm like, all right, cool. I don't need. I don't do that mm-hmm. ever. But for that one, I'm like, I don't need to sit through the two and a half hours. It is atmospheric. It did have something to say, but. Um, I cheated in this because I did want to like ingest it, but not, I didn't want to put in the time. I think, uh, what we're detracting from Omar is that you're a very strong, uh, in protest of the <laughs> man that worked with the cannibal. Oh, Luca yeah. Guard, Guardino. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. He, he, he hired that cannibal to be in that one movie that he did. And so you were, you were rallying against that. You weren't going to give. Against cannibalism, yeah. you think? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What what side of the what does that make me Democratic Republican Liberal? Uh, they're gonna shoot you in the face no matter. What. Either way, right? Either, Either way, way, you're doomed. You're, you're wrong. in the wrong tribe. Either mm-hmm. way. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, since then though, and then we can get back to uh, the film at oh, hand. Oh yeah, we watched the Frighteners. But it is exciting. Yeah, and we did mention it. We did mention Peter mm-hmm. Jackson. Uh, but this is kind of like that fun time. You do want to like bring up because those were, I mean. Okay, one, two. We didn't talk too much about Psychomania, but that was the perfect movie to play as we were settling in. Having some coffee. Having some coffee, uh, you know, enjoying conversation because it was mostly just dudes motorcycling around, you know, and yeah, nice being, visuals. Being, being dead and motorcycling around. Um, and then, but I mean, Psychomania, Creepshow 2, New York Ripper, P.D. Wheatstraw, Moon... All of them were first-time watches for me. So, again, I'll go to... I gave New York Ripper the highest rating, but... I I might not revisit it. I don't know. Maybe I might buy it just See, to I'm have it. See, I'm a ball, so I watch that movie quite a bit. <laughs> um, but that one, the Italian... The blonde... 
Yeah. She had me going. It just, it was weird. It was weird. You're going. The prostitute that dies at the end? <laughs> I don't know. Was it the or, lady? Or are you talking about the lady that recorded her getting, fig- that, getting toe fucked? That lady. Yeah. Okay. That we, that, she didn't record that, but she Oh, did. she, yeah, she didn't record it, but she liked that. And then she got aroused and then the dudes were like, oh, stupid. Yeah. And then. <laughs> You're stupid for being aroused. And then they laughed at her and. Yeah. It's a weird movie, but fun. If you're watching it with the group. But anyways, yeah. uh, Pee Wee Wheat Straw. <laughs> yeah, I, I would. I watch it alone. That's quite all right. You ain't alone in that world. In the world watching, I'm sure there's a lot of people. You yeah. Know. Uh, Dagon. I, you know who wasn't alone were the people in the porno theater in that movie. Yep. Anyway, yeah. Dagon is probably the other big hit of the night, eh? And that was a sci-fi movie, you said? Uh, uh, no, but I first saw it on the Sci-Fi Channel. Back when it was S-C-I hyphen F-Y. Not the S-Y-F-Y it is now. More HP Lovecraft bullshit. When it, it's a, a lot of it is bullshit, but a lot of it is freaky, dude. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is like a good baseline for... He's hard to adapt, and that's why they're... Have you, did you see Color Out of Space? No. Oh, with oh. Uh, Nicholas Cage. Cage. I yeah. did. Okay. I like that. Yeah. I think Dagon is better than that, but those are kind of two of the closest, you know, higher-end examples of the of the H.P. Lovecraft deal, where otherwise a lot of people will say it's H.P. Lovecraft-esque, and it'll just be like, well, there's just a slime monster. Slime. Uh, Fish creatures. Portals, right? Yeah. Other dimensions. Other dimensions. Uh what else? It's just always like creatures. Insanity, from- creatures. Mm-hmm. Parallel dimensions. Hellish, hellish uh, strange lands and strange people. And hatred for brown folks. Or any type of... Uh, hatred for humanity, I'd say. That's what I've heard, yeah. But uh, see, then, that's not even a statement I could say is true. Because was he racist? Did he write racist in a I, racist I, manner? I've, same as you. I've, I've heard that kind of stuff. I've never actually read anything he yeah. supposedly wrote. But anyway. Um, uh, yeah, first saw that on the Sci-Fi Channel. And then uh, it's kind of one of the very few mo- You know, I was uh, abused as a child with uh, extreme horror films very early. Although E.T. is still the most terrifying movie of all time. We've talked about it on this podcast. Yeah. But uh, it was one of the few to come out post that where it actually did give me kind of some nightmares when I, after I saw it. Um, and then remember that point you got right there because I, I, I connect with that in essence. Uh, since then, I watched, I gave Christine a rewatch. Okay, love that movie. Dead Heat. A we did Christine for uh, the podcast. We did. We did. I still love it. Um, that's one of those, like, not Mandela effects, but that was a movie I remember my dad loving. And the other day, I was like, you know what movie? Was it I? about because it was, a, it was the halfway car. about fixing the car? Yeah, it really was. It was about your, your that. Your dad loved the idea of the movie being about a guy who fixes up a car really and good. Falls and then falls in it. love with it. And I was like, cool, you know. And then I remember him liking it, watching it, but then... Then I told him the other day, I'm like, hey, I was watching that movie, Christine. Remember with the with the with the red car? And now, can you say like, that in Spanish for us? No, oh, yeah. no, no. Okay, hey, <laughs> that's too complicated, okay, right? Okay. Too on the spot. Okay. But then he was like, uh, no. 
<laughs> he, just, he, just com- he just completely dick slapped you like nah don't remember it he was like he was like oh i do but i, I don't i didn't you, like, like asked movie. him like remember you and i having that bonding moment and yeah. he was like are you retarded <laughs> and it was the moment where it was like oh okay so maybe i romanticized it a little where we were just sitting there watching it yeah but and it sometimes is, you, you have know. those um mm-hmm. what do i like to call them like uh like uh uh, fake, not I can't remember the right word for it. But you have, you like build up a moment in your life, uh-huh. and then you like talk to someone about, it and they're like, that didn't mean anything to me. Yeah, dude, but, it's uh, kind of a little heartbreaking, but at the same time, it's like, well, at least it rose tinted glasses. Me. Yeah, That's what it, I was oh, rose tinted glasses. There you go, people. Um, I finally cracked open my uh, 4K of Hellboy Two. Hell yeah, beautiful, dude. It sounded great. Uh, I watched it. Is there a 4K for the first one? I don't know. Because I have, I still got that box set. Yeah. We'll look that up. We could probably check. Um, Quick thoughts. Hellboy 1 or Hellboy 2? Nah, man, dude. Because Hellboy, I, they're both almost like, you got to do like a double feature. almost. Yeah, it's almost one entity. The first one is just like a lot of setup, but you get a lot more John Hurt. Mm-hmm. Then you get the cool villains, the dude with the swords, mm-hmm. and then uh, it's it's almost like Blade and Blade Two, mm-hmm. that type of situation. We're like, they're I'll like, take either or. Yeah, they're just they're just, it's all about what world you like the protagonist in more. Exactly, either what, you like what the they first one because it's kind of more darker, more gothic, you know, Nazi body horror, mm-hmm. or you like the the environment of the second one, which is more fantasy mythology fable storytelling children book children's books that kind of sort of mystical environment yeah because the second one had all the trolls the troll uh troll market market but then the first one had him when he had that like corpse right that like Mm -hmm. russian guy yeah so that was all fun i think they they coincide together pretty good Phantasm 3, I watched. That was cool. Oh, first watch for that me. That was a sci-fi channel staple. The Christopher the Lee Dracula. With, Horror uh, of Dracula. Peter Cushing, yeah. For some reason, Letterboxd is just Dracula. Yeah, it, it, I, think in, I think in England it was called Horror of Dracula, and then here it was just called Dracula. Something. Christopher Lee had those like crazy red contacts. Yeah, the bloodshot of, eyes. I, he's, he's, he's a rock star, man. He, he says like a, five words in that whole movie. And my, my wife walks in and she's like, is that Sauron? And I was like, yeah, what is it, Sauron or Sauron? From Lord of the Rings? Sauron. <laughs> and I was just like... And you were like, no, it's Count Dooku. <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly so he's he's imagine you've imagine you've lived a life omar where you've been dracula count dooku and saruman yeah that's like 9-11 the iraq war of afghanistan war you know you lived through it bro you lived through it uh finally i got started with grindhouse it's been years since i watched grindhouse uh Uh, i believe i borrowed that from you not too long ago yeah and and is that what initiated your thinking about it more? Uh, yeah and then i kept i heard on uh, one of the pods i listened to they were like uh it was like from years back but they were praising planet terror let me, so let me see how you feel about this when i first saw that movie i was all about planet terror and kind of mm-hmm. shrugged off death proof mm-hmm. the more times i've watched it and the older i've gotten mm-hmm. the more i don't care for planet terror and really like death proof mm-hmm. more well shit i gave planet terror four and a half it was it not was, that I don't not to say I don't like it. I just mean my, my you shifted a little yes. bit. Yeah, 
I that happened to me with Heat. I watched Heat now. I hadn't seen it in like ten years mm-hmm. because and and the way I looked at the characters when I was in my twenties very different than when I was in my thirties. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like it's like damn, all of you guys are kind of fucked up, and you're gonna die at a young age, and it's done. You know, it's you live to do that. Even the cop Pacino's character, he was a little, he was so devoted to the job, but. He had problems, you know, with his wife and stuff. With cocaine. Yeah. Did he? Not in that movie. No, well, it's in in behind the scenes. It's If you watch him do it, it's kind of the, it's kind of the start of the heightened Pacino era. Mm-hmm. But apparently his idea for the character is that he was constantly taking bumps of cocaine. They never show it in the movie, and it's not even but that's why, referenced. That's... But we were talking about uh, uh, our... Our guy Jeffrey Combs' is uh, hemorrhoids in this movie, The Frighteners, mm-hmm. about how I thought that was just in in the documentary about the movie and how it was a character note, but not necessarily in the film. We find out it actually is in the film this time, but uh, for Heat, it was apparently a a character motive motivation. Yeah, that right. he was you know doing cocaine as well to keep on the job, which would make sense. I mean, um, but still, Heat, great movie. And then I finished up with Beetlejuice, which uh, kind of keeps the uh, Danny Elfman. I watch that every October too. I watch that this October too. I'm haunted by Danny Elfman uh, soundtracks right yeah. now because it's it was him, and then uh, I I tried Wednesday with my wife watching the show, the Netflix show, which I liked. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Which Omar, it's a little. Um, CW high school drama ish. My rind is a little rough for those, a little thick for those yeah. shows. You know, yeah. I don't know why, but and I really try not to yeah. be dismissive because I'm like, okay, I like the gothicness and it's got me in the October, you know, Halloween feel. But it's like oh, this shit weak, you know. I definitely found myself, although I did like the show in general, I did find myself skipping through some of the talky talk high school drama scenes. And I have to give credit to uh, my guy Luis Guzman, Puerto Rican actor. Mm-hmm. He got to make out with Catherine Zeta Jones. We did it, baby. We did it. We did it as a as a country, as a as a. Oh, Puerto Rico's a country. Huh? <laughs> well, as a oh, as, as a, a people, as a people of a country. Yep, yeah. Or we as did a part it. of the country. Yeah. First, it was Mark Anthony yeah, marrying. Yeah, you think Catherine uh, Zeta Jones had to throw up after that, or perhaps? But he got through it, man. He got it on. They got it on the Netflix. Uh, they were, I like that. I did like that idea that like you were expecting. You know, uh, uh, what's that actor, Raúl? Julia, Julia, another Puerto Rican actor. Uh, much more handsome. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> and uh, for Dapper. this for this one, they decided to make him more of the uh, cartoon uh, Mr. Adams, where he he's a little more ugly. So my Puerto Rican people. First, we have Mark Anthony uh, and Jennifer Lopez getting married and expanding their um, their empire. And then uh, eventually it didn't work out, but they did what they needed to, and both came out pretty good out of it, mm-hmm. except for their poor kids. But who cares about kids' celebrities unless they're, like, drugged up and getting in messed up car accidents and stuff? We don't We don't mean that. That's just uh, the TMZ people that enjoy the... But somehow TMZ has been in business for... I don't know how. If they still have a channel on cable. <laughs> People love that, dude. People love the celebrity yeah, deterioration. Um, but anyways, let's get back to... Uh, well, we haven't even started, but again, Frighteners... We haven't started, but we're, yeah, we, you know, we've been gone a couple weeks almost. Mm-hmm. It's okay that we catch up on stuff and let the people know some good movies to, to check out. 
And October, um, yeah, we started out with The Blob, and then Silent Rage, and today, The Frighteners. Peter Jackson, I mean, our boy, um, Michael J. Fox, short career he had. I mean, I know y'all... If you're well, he had a long career. Was Yeah, he's still around. But. Well, he's still around, but I mean, he started acting, I think, very young. I don't remember him uh, before. Uh, oh yeah, the show. Well, he was in the show All in the Family, right? I forgot or, about is it the All show. In the family? Or is it Family Matters? Um Oh yeah, he played Urkel in uh, yeah, okay. Family Matters. Okay, that was yeah. <laughs> but I, for, I forgot his famous catchphrase, did I do that? I forgot that. We know him from the uh Back to the Future films. Mm-hmm. Um we know him as uh Teen Wolf. Mm-hmm. And uh, now we know him. We know him as the coke addict in Bright Lights, Big City. I of course. I didn't see that film. I wouldn't expect you to have seen that. <laughs> uh, he was in a, a, a masterpiece movie by Brian De Palma, Ca- Casualties of War. Oh, yep. I saw that. Uh, yeah. So he does have that little notch on his belt. He is. Uh, is he gonna make the Hall of Fame of acting? Is there a Hall? Is there a- <laughs> the Hall of Fame of acting? <laughs> That's how you Lifetime know. Achievement Academy Award. Probably he'll probably get one. Uh, he'll get yeah before he can't walk. And then uh, you said uh, right before his diagnosis. Uh, look it up, people. We're not gonna say the p word on this. Uh, we're not even gonna bring up the word. We're not even say it, or even say what it starts with. Even though I just did. Just or Michael J. Fox P, and then the rest will fill itself on uh, on Google. A. But you said he did Mars Attacks and then Frighteners, and, and then, then he was out. And then he was out. And then I think the next thing he did after that sort of retirement is I remember he, when the diagnosis became like really clear and he was doing stuff and talking about it. I remember he did a an episode of Scrubs that I for some reason fucking remember in my mm-hmm. mind. He did some TV. Where he, like, in the episode of Scrubs, he, like, either has the P itself or some other debilitating disease. He was, For some reason, that sticks in my fucking head, but he did come back to do some more television. He, uh, yeah, and then he, he was on Curb a few years. He had, like, a, like a feud with Larry David. Yeah, yeah. So, a few, for a few episodes. I think that was maybe the ninth or tenth season. Okay. They're, dude, they're up to like 11 or 12 now, I think. Kind of weak towards the end. Yeah. I think the last season was funny, but the one before that, oof. Mm. Woof. Is that what you say when she's back? Yeah. But anyways, The Frighteners, man, this is kind of a clever premise, too. This movie's filled with a lot of concepts about death, about the afterlife, about what happens. About how perverted ghosts are. Yep. Dimensional things going on, you know, going in and out. Um, uh, serial killer, um, kind of, what is it? The You're, you're kind of glorifying the serial killerness, which uh, Americans kind of do. And mm-hmm. even they, they do mention a few. Uh, yeah, they mention Starkweather and Gacy, Gacy and Bundy. And very, uh, they're very into the numbers of kills in mm-hmm. this, as, as we'll, we'll call it, kind of learn. But, I mean, I got a synopsis here. If it really, there's not a huge, it's not that complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're better with words, if you want. Um, well, first of all, Omar, let's point out that you picked this movie. I did. Um, 
and that this is a movie we both haven't seen in more than seven years, and that I gave this to you for Christmas two years ago. You did, and it was the 15th anniversary special edition. With a lame-ass cover. But, With um, a pretty bad cover, yeah. I gotta say, I do like the the original poster, where it's just like the. I used to have the DVD with the slip cover that was that. That that would be nice to have. Out of it. Yeah, it's like that ghost face effect coming out of the Not wall. Not ghost face from Scream, everybody. Oh no. More like the imprint of a ghost, as if behind a sheet. Yeah, kind of nightmare. Uh, nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. yeah, the first one esque, but. To me, the CGI was a little. <laughs> I feel like that when we watched, know. we did, we watched the director's cut. So who knows what is? First of all, is this worth you rewatching the theatrical cut after this watch? I'm, to be honest, I'm not sure because I hopped on Reddit and I tried to find out, and everyone was like, "Yep, yep, the director's cut is better. It's funnier. It's better. It's funnier." And when I hear mm-hmm. that, I'm like, I don't know, but. There were some parts where they were trying to be funny and me and AJ would just kind of look the at each other. The front half definitely <laughs> dragged with... Goofiness. Ghostly antics that didn't quite even make me smile, really, most of the time, um, to be honest. But um, also just noting, um, I think some of the, the, the shittier CGI, I'm not. That, that's why it'd be interesting to watch a theatrical cut because I don't know if... The CGI when this director's cut came out was was reinserted bad CGI then as opposed to the theatrical, or if the theatrical also had these little bad or worse CGI moments than maybe the original did. And that's gonna be one where like I'm probably gonna have to rewatch. Um, it's I don't want to rewatch it though right away. Yeah. Um, but it's only because of the goofiness. But the concepts really keep me here. The 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 stuff going on, especially like the last forty five minutes, are great, really yeah. great. Um, a, a few things take me in and out. Like I said, the the CGI, uh, Shy McBride or McBride, Shy McBride, mm-hmm. uh, kind of obnoxious. Kind of uh, even the guy, the the other guy, Stewart, Jim, Ted, yeah, Jim the Fife, Ted, the Ted Raimi looking guy. Yeah. Uh, and and those two guys, um, just kind of going with the with the story of the movie. Those two ghosts. Yeah, yeah. you gonna add something before uh, I get into just, it? Just, I feel like the movie is two movies that they put into one movie, and because of that, the one movie is worse. Mm. Now, hear me out. I think this could go either two ways. Yeah. One, we either have the Frighteners. It's Michael J. Fox. He's got two ghost buddies. We find out how they met up, what happened to Michael J. Fox. Some of that story stays the same. You know, he's in a car accident with his wife. His right. wife dies. He now has a communication with the dead. He can see ghosts and talk to them. Mm-hmm. He meets up with these two guys somehow. They make a business where the ghosts do the haunting, and he comes in and does a whole bunch of hoodoo and gets rid of them and makes money. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, we find, or at the end of that movie in particular, the ghosts go to a house and pretend to haunt it, but find out the house is really haunted. Mm. And there are evil ghosts there that he actually, Michael J. Fox, has to come to terms with him being a deceitful son of a bitch. Mm. And he's got to actually dig in deep, find an expert to actually help him get rid of these evil ghosts and help him with his friends to get rid of that. Mm-hmm. That's like a more of a ghostbustery comedy vein. Mm-hmm. Then there's the other movie 
where there's an evil fucking ghost grim reaper slashing people to death in a small coastline town. It's very spooky, the murders are vicious, and he's counting up to number 50. And when he gets to number 50, then the whole town's going to fall into an apocalypse or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so we have, and that's more horror. You know, the, he's slashing people to death. They're dying on kitchen sinks in, the, in their bathrooms with their hearts ripped out. Uh, you know, uh, he's a serial killer in the past. There's all that same docu- documentary footage of him killing people in the hospital at the beginning. That stays in there. And at the end, he's got to find out the trick to kill or get, you know, you know, uh, uh, find a way to defeat the serial killer on his own terms, on his own, you know, killing floor, whatever, you know, like more of a slasher, spooky, haunted town. This guy's trying to escape the town and everyone around him is getting killed and he ends up in the town almost alone with just mm-hmm. him and the serial killer ghost hunting him down. That would be scary. Or just the town is gone and then him yeah. and the, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, would it... Being Peter Jackson, I would expect the silliness, a little silliness. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel he probably got a little pressure from the studio because it does feel like the two different movies. And the main concept of a serial killer ghost, yeah, I that's think, that's the winner right yeah, there. Yeah, and I think Peter Jackson wanted to do the scarier movie that I just kind of... Well, yep. maybe not that exact I, plot, I believe that. But I think he wanted to do a horror movie serial killer ghost movie. Mm-hmm. And he was bound by the first big, big uh, uh, production he was ever given by Universal. Mm. And he was strictly under contract or pressured by them to create, create almost out of not the script he had in front of him, but an additional invisible script where he had to make it lighter, more fun, more time between kills, less intense, less erotic, less violent. Yeah, and then... That makes sense to me, and I mean, he probably still had Shy McBride and the Stewart character in there, but not as much, maybe. Yeah, I think he want. I also, also I think, don't know. I also think he wanted to do gore gags like he had done on Dead Alive, but the feasibility of doing gore gags or extremely violent gags like that movie is that you're you're relegated to keeping it PG thirteen, which is why mm. one shot I know for a fact that's in the director's cut that doesn't quite work because it's an added effect. But when Dammers gets his head blown off by um, who's the evil alive chick in this movie? Oh, that, Patty D. Patricia. Yeah, let me see. Uh, Played by uh, the mom from ET, D. Wallace. Yeah, that's Patricia. Yeah. Okay. When she blows Dammers' head off, you like see his CGI bits of his head go away, and then he's got the ghost head for a split uh, second. Yeah, yeah. You know that was. Added that was not in the okay. Movie. Okay, that and I thought that was a I know that off-putting. for a fact. Yeah. Okay, so you see it, dude. And the concepts, I mean, from from Dead Alive and then uh, the um, the Heavenly Creatures, Heavenly Creatures, and then uh, Bad Taste. Yeah, you see. Oh, so I guess this is his fifth film. Is yeah. it okay? And we could probably Cause see the cause order because it's, it's um, Bad Taste. Uh, Dead Alive, Meet the Feebles, Heavenly Creatures, and then this movie. Yeah, right. And yeah. then I think Heavenly Creatures was ninety three. Oh, did I say Brain Dead? Did I say Evil Dead or Brain Dead? You said Brain Dead, which is accurate. It's the other title of the movie. Yeah, right. And then uh, it's either Brain Dead or Dead Alive. King Kong. You want to go see King Kong, man? <laughs> I'm glad you did that, and not me. <laughs> Peter Jackson's. Uh... Peter Jackson's. Uh... <laughs> 
uh what's it called king kong but so yeah that concepts are there so the movie just starts out with uh just kind of the ghost busting uh michael j fox yeah begins a fraud you know it kind of it begins with a funeral it does because the town is being plagued by these deaths that are apparent heart attacks Mm -hmm. although why no one has been investigating why all these heart attack victims have numbers carved into their foreheads is interesting Mm -hmm. but uh nonetheless it kind of opens on uh he, we never see him take a single sip in this movie, but is Michael J. Fox playing it as if he's an alcoholic? Or are we just supposed to find it funny that he, like... Is always sweaty? Is always sweating and stammering around and can't drive for anything. I guess. Yeah, you're right. Or maybe they couldn't show that alcohol, the strong yeah, alcohol. Yeah, maybe that was in the original script, too, that he was more of a, a sad, you know, alcoholic, you know... They do mention him... They do mention in the flashback when he loses his wife that he had been drinking all day while playing basketball. Oh, yeah. So maybe we're supposed to assume because it's like, okay, this guy's like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right? Okay. I can see that. And let's not forget, though, maybe they couldn't push it too hard either because with the score by Danny Elfman, it sounds like it's not supposed to be so dark, you know? Yeah. And then Zemeckis. Right, Zemeckis is producing this. So maybe they were trying to just be just right on the line, like Tim Burton, but not... Yeah, and and it's clear that Jackson, at least at this point in his career, had not mastered, unlike Zemeckis, unlike Tim Burton, the magic PG-13 horror comedy blockbuster hit movie type deal. So is it rated R, or is it... Because I see IMDb says rated R, but you're saying he tried to make something... That was possibly PG-13? Yeah, that's a, a PG-13? that's a surprise to me because in the documentary, I do remember him saying that everyone was telling him to cut back, oh, cut back, mm-hmm. cut back. And maybe this, because it only gives you one runtime there on IMDb. Yep, yep. And I think that's the director's cut time. Yeah, there we go. So, so that would be rated R because, like I said, the added effects of the head exploding and a couple of... I think the the grandma or the, the mother of uh, Patricia murder, there's less blood in the theatrical cut. Mm. Things like that. I mean, like, and there there was some deaths, man, I tell you. There were some parts where there was just like, whoa, you know. Like you said, Jeffrey Combs got his head blown off and stuff like that. Um, let me see. So, uh, just running through the actors before we keep going. Trini Alvarado, she's, she's a main character in this. She plays one of the, she's uh, not really a love interest, but, you know, you hope that happens because her husband in the beginning of the movie is a real jerk. Uh, we got John. He's one of the judges uh, that helps out the skeleton, the ghost judge, right? That was John Aston, yeah, yeah, he was the judge. The the they don't call me the hanging judge for no reason. He was a perverted old ghost. And they did. They got two. They got two main ghosts, and then the old man ghost that can't really go on on, on all the missions with Michael J. Fox. He says his ectoplasm is dried up, aka <laughs> his balls. Yeah, yeah. And then we got Jeffrey Combs, the great Jeffrey Combs, who was mm-hmm. he? He really did kill it. Uh, D. Wallace. Uh, yeah, another. Th- yeah, just to interrupt you shortly. If he, you had said during the watching this, if Jeffrey Combs had gotten there a little earlier mm. in the movie and had mo- not maybe more su- substantive of a part, but more scenes with him, it would have really improved the movie. Because he's really... I'm not going to hate on Michael J. Fox. I don't think he puts in a bad performance, but um, uh, Jeffrey Combs definitely comes out as the star of this movie. Yeah, I'd say Combs first. Uh, man, D. Wallace, the last 15 she, minutes. She really does play 
crazy. A psycho, pretty good. Yeah, mm-hmm. a, mm-hmm. Horn, a horny death <laughs> fetish. Yeah, uh, uh, psychopath. Because we'll see. Yeah, like uh, she was in love with the bad man, the the uh, orderly, the antagonist who is of the played film by uh, Jake Busey, whose character name is uh, Johnny Bartlett. Johnny Bartlett. I kept thinking of Bartlett apple or Bartlett pears for some reason. And obviously, all Bartlett. our Wisconsinites are going to think of Tommy Bartlett over at the Wisconsin Dells uh, yeah. res- uh, mm-hmm. resorts and mm-hmm. fun fun mo- place over there. He's a robot now, right? <laughs> Who, Jake Busey or Tommy, T- Bartlett? Tommy Bartlett? Yeah, they t- they they turned him into a robot during COVID. Yeah, like bicentennial know? man. Uh, of course, I mentioned earlier Shy McBride, Jim Fife, uh, and then Troy Evans. Just uh, you know, who played the fat? Sheriff? That was Troy Evans. Okay, yep, we've yep. seen. I see his face has been fucking everywhere. Yeah, and I mean Michael J. Fox. You didn't. I, I thought he did a good job. There are some scenes. Uh, there are some scenes where he really does bring it. I just feel like uh, um, he either couldn't or had a hard time, or you know, the whole movie seemed to have a hard time finding out what they could get or use out of him that would be actually funny versus serious. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't really funny. He wasn't really funny. Kind of sad. Um, the funniest was him shooting hoops with long hair and the suit. Oh, arguing him, him with his, his wife. Uh, Eric Stoltz cosplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then driving in the car and acting, you know, angry and drunk. That was great. Or um, I would say also him uh, with the wire attached to his back, jumping up and down as a ghost with machine guns. That was pretty cool. It was. That's when he was like shooting the two like really big ones mm-hmm. that he got from uh, Harley Ermey. Who makes a weird cameo in this? Uh, I mean, he's got a couple scenes in this, but it's like, what are you I think, doing? I think that was added. Also, I think that it, had to be. I think. I think in the theatrical, it's only him in that first graveyard scene. But for some reason, yeah, like, see, that's just something that is inserted and doesn't get pulled off and doesn't work, where he's insinuated to be, like, you know, the drill sergeant of all the ghosts in the graveyard, and then he says he's going to, like, get them all to, like, you know, get their shit together and, you know, find out who's killing all these people and bring them to justice, and then at the end of the movie, he just gets sliced in half without doing anything. Yeah, it it takes a while. So why even put that in there? And you notice, like, uh, with even the the two, his two buddies, main ones, the main ghosts, they're in there, and then you've had enough with them, and then they just kind of bring them back, and you're like, oh, these guys again. And then they come back to pretty much get killed immediately. uh Uh-huh. So that is, like, it just feels like it was added. But when Jeffrey Combs comes in, it's, like, pure just scene chewing. His body is a roadmap of pain. (laughs) He's like missing the nipple. Yeah, yeah. He's got the Charlie Manson swastika on his hand. Yeah. Uh, he had a little yeah. scar on his face, a weird Adolf Hitler hairdo, you know. Yeah, no mustache, but Yeah. But this is the first 40 minutes are a little wonky, I have to say, but then it really picks up and then it really starts going and then just the concepts like I said and then just the ideas and then like you said the the whole thing wraps around with Michael J. Fox and how, you know, his selfishness, how he was only looking out for himself even after he had the accident and his wife died or was killed. Um, he was still living a selfish life only for himself and, and kind living, of... Living in literally the wrecked remains of his old life. He was mm-hmm. literally living in a half-built house. And that's one of them things you were telling me that it's just he hasn't let go. Mm-hmm. 
that's just uh, a lot of hoarders do that you know they go through a trauma and they mention trauma in this where mm-hmm. like that's how he got his superpowers i guess yeah, it's pretty glossed over yeah but essentially but, you know um i mean seeing your wife get killed and you getting blamed for it and then seeing a number uh cut into her forehead would be pretty traumatizing i don't know if mm-hmm. i'm gonna be talking to ghosts or, or not but and then that also built that weird relationship where he sometimes can touch and hit or pull on ghosts and then mm-hmm. sometimes can't loosey goosey um, um rules go- ghost rules yeah but what are you gonna do i mean no, it's it's no, no. peter jackson's an entertainer at yeah. heart he's gonna He's gonna just try to get you with, oh man, remember that part or remember this scene, you know? Yeah. Because um, we even caught ourselves earlier talking about King Kong, and we were just praising Skull Island and like the 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 two thousand five yeah, King Kong. Yeah, it's almost like uh, Peter Jackson's just a kid who, um, like a lot of kids, myself included, did, where they're like, they they play fight with action figures or monsters, and they just like beat them up together. Mm-hmm. And then he just wants to make movies like that, mm-hmm. where it's like a mad monster. I thought party. that was Michael Bay. Uh, no, that's explosions. Oh, he just—it's not, <laughs> not monsters. <laughs> but he, oh, I thought he was just mashing all the toys together. Oh well, I think he does that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, I—I I th- again to your point, I think he's best when he's—he's—he's he's, he's putting on a lot of things going on and doing fun visual tricks with the camera and having interesting or at the very least interesting if not really good special effects and creating a sort of chaotic atmosphere Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then when he's got to be given a scene where like uh michael j fox has to like de-ghostify the the house of the woman he eventually comes to partner up with on this it just seems flat Mm -hmm. dull um, like no one was really interested in those scenes, which maybe they weren't, or maybe they were. Mm-hmm. Like you even said, like his main, like I get it, he's a he's a he's an imposter, but like when he puts on his ghost catching machine, it's just like a packet of like ramen dust, and that's him him like having the ghost. It was half assed, uh, but then again, that's that's based. But that could be part of. Uh huh, and that's I know what you like what I was about to say, but it's like them jumping off the concept of even so many years after ghostbusters was out where it's Mm -hmm. just like this guy actually infests Mm -hmm. the house with the ghosts he goes in and that could have been way more expanded way more fun yeah but he goes in pop 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 he figures it out and then that first occurrence he's he had an argument with his guys because they didn't do the things that he's used to the formulaic uh you know the toilet seat popping up and down or whatever like you know what things that ghosts do or poltergeist but then right away that was like a very pushing it as far as silly scene because then we got the husband who was initially already not liking uh michael j fox because he He drunk drove into his fence (laughs) yeah destroyed his gnomes in the beginning of the movie so he's like oh this guy's in here oh my wife fell for this just get rid of the ghost blah 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 it was like five minutes of like not fleshed out anything and then it was just annoying and then they finished and then that character which it seems to be the only The only reason that she even gets with Michael J. Fox is that, which is a scene we don't see, which is weird because all of a sudden you're following a hearse 
And Michael J. Fox is like just just driving through the town and like sees her in a hearse and is like, huh, she's mm. in a hearse. That's weird. Then you cut to her apparent 29, by the way, year old husband's funeral. Mm-hmm. Well, so we didn't see him getting killed. And the only reason he does get killed is to have her meet up with Michael J. Fox because Michael J. Fox gives her his card and she calls him asking him if he can contact her dead husband. Right. And it led up to because... Which is like, why was the husband even in, even included mm-hmm. just have her being haunted, calling Michael J. Fox, blah, 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 you know, stuff in yeah. the town. Maybe she's a journalist. She's investigating why these people are getting... Which she kind of does turn into. She kind of does turn into that person that's like, what? don't you find it strange there are all these heart attacks and it seems like the hearts are squeezed like a fucking sponge in the body? Or something like that, and it's like, well, that could have been done without her being a, a lawyer. Yeah, she was a lawyer. A lawyer. A doctor, or, I think. Yeah, a doctor, because the dude was like, oh, I married a oh, doctor, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm healthy. And Oh, yeah, 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 doctor. But yeah. also, during that beginning scene, they wanted to start the mystery of the murderer, because the, the Elvis, the husband, he had the number yeah. on his forehead. And then that's when Michael J. Fox kind of saw it. And, if there was a spooky you know, scene where the husband was getting stalked on his murdered, way home from work. Actually murdered. And we, sh- we see the murder and it's a really cool dark scene. Like dark thematically. Like almost spooky mm-hmm. or scary. You know, then it could have... I think that's a vital piece that was missing. They played it for laughs because then it's just like, like you then said. Then it's just like a pathetic schlub who's like trying to make Michael J. Fox go out on dates with his wife so he can have a date with his wife and he finds out his wife doesn't like him anyway and that scene also didn't work because they immediately they go to started lame ass medieval times esque. yeah and then they started ignoring the husband so it's like wait a minute you're you're here for a reason yeah exactly but then he's gone and then he gets killed by the grim reaper serial killer and like yep so like why and why is again you're like we're all it's all fun and games. And folks. we like the movie, actually. And, I, and we like the movie. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, the Grim Reaper ghost can now kill other ghosts. Why is he killing ghosts if he wants to get a higher number of victims? Yeah. yeah. So there's like Why a, does he give a shit about killing ghosts? Uh, he, he wants to get his number up, you know. But does killing a ghost count? Aren't no. his serial killer ethics at, no, that uh, one, being compromised? That one didn't count. Well, he killed them already. Yeah. So why kill his ghost? Yeah, just send him off. Because if you're a ghost and you die, I don't know. What what would happen? It doesn't show that. Yeah. Because that's like... We don't know what the fuck happened to the judge. He just gets cut in half by the Grim Reaper killer. And he's like, oh no! And then he's gone. Because some like Beetlejuice, when they open that door... Right. And they're like, that's... That's the lost souls. Yeah. You know, they, the ones that died, if they were a ghost, or you don't want to go there because that's a ghost that died or something. Like, that was there, scary, dude. Yeah. In this one, nothing. But, again, there's such Until high the levels. Until the very end. Exactly. And then but the, that also is director. We'll get to it. Yeah. They, I mean, you can continue because I'm um, a little... Uh, just so, if you so, want to okay, break so, it down, Crown, because... So I think I think timeline wise we're we're pretty much mm-hmm. so we've got Michael J Fox he's running scams you know he's coming home from a funeral where he's giving people his business cards uh, he he drives like a fucking drunken maniac yep. uh, crashes into this guy's fence he happens to be married to the doc the doctor who eventually becomes Michael J Fox's partner um, 
now he's got the card, which actually, he, you made a note of it, he rips up his card, yeah. and then later in the night, she finds a whole card on their bed, <laughs> a whole which one. we're led to believe the ghosts have put back in there while they're there to do the haunting. So, his ghost buddies do a little number, it's pretty lazy, pretty, you know, there's some poltergeisty CGI plates floating around and stuff. And uh, he comes in and basically like, just forget about the fence and I'll get rid of your ghosts with my uh, boombox with a ramen noodle packet in it. Yeah. So he um, goes through that. He gets them going. Again, and then there's a, and then another. Just I feel like the the gag, like he pulls out a gun and for like half a fucking nanosecond, they're like scared he has a gun, and he's like, oh no no, this is holy water, and starts squirting holy water around the house. Mm-hmm. Just something that is absent of of funniness yes uh, there was that and then but they go home but then he he says i've got the ghost you're all good he leaves with his buddies we find out this he's living in this ramshackle half half built house mm-hmm. there's more stuff about it the the black ghost is almost gets peed on in the bathroom <laughs> yeah the, uh the that st- was the, just the, the ted Raimi ghost is upset because he doesn't feel he feels he isn't being respected um and then uh and then it kind of just yeah like they like go on another mission or just go into town and that's where they find the doctor uh in the hearse driving to the funeral of the of the newly dead elvis guy yeah mm-hmm. um and him become turning into a ghost because he didn't take the the heaven light way or whatever as michael j fox calls it because he thought it, it it wasn't correct he's he's extremely healthy he works out every day and he has a doctor wife so now he's a ghost living in, and he's sort of, you know, Michael J. Fox can hear him, but his wife can't, and blah, blah, blah. There's, like, they go on a date. It's stupid and non-essential to the plot. Um, but we do see that he not has the, the number carved into his head, which I think is... Or no, wait. When he's at their house, he, ha- he has a ghostly vision of the husband's cut-up forehead with the number 30, Yeah, and he's like, what's up with that number? You're like, what number are you talking about, psycho? Yeah. Um, so that's sort of where the mystery is about the number. Now it's about why is there not why are there numbers in people's foreheads and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And while he's on the date with the with the doctor, I don't know, remember her first name. Um, that's where he Lucy. Lucy, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And uh, um, I'm trying to wonder when do we cut to like the weird? Oh, the film opens, of course, with one of the better scenes. We. Sh- I fucked it up a little bit. No, it's cool. I mean, uh, the beginning is but all. But there's there's a creepy house with a creepy old lady that looks like Gary Oldman as Dracula, um, where the the see this is where it gets a little complicated. Mm-hmm. So there's the killer played by uh, Jake Busey, mm-hmm. uh, Bartlett Johnny Bartlett. Back in the '60s, he goes on a killing spree in a hospital. Mm-hmm. He's an orderly who starts shooting people's heads off with a shotgun. He gets put away and electrocuted to death. But he has a co-conspirator who is this woman, girl. She's only 15 at the time, by His the way. girlfriend. They, they try to glaze over that pretty quick. She's only 15. It was it was a different time. Um, but she is uh, sort of taken in as an accessory after the fact, her, her mother recalls, and is put into a psych ward for 20 years and then released five years previously to the start of this film. And the movie begins with this sort of haunty, haunted house sequence, sort of maybe a little, like, looks kind of like the house from the Burbs, the creepy house from the Burbs. Um, but sort of this creepy scene where the grandmother has a shotgun, and there's a bunch of Sam Raimi camera movements through the haunted house as this 
ghostly apparition is floating in and out of the walls and hunting down who we later find out to be this accessory to murder, Patty. Mm. Okay. Yep. And so we're, we've that's how we first saw the, this first image of this sort of Grim Reaper-esque ghost thing. Yeah, and then Frank sees that too, right? Uh, right. And um, later when he's on the date with um, the doc, he's in the bathroom and he sees another guy come in and he's got a, the next number engraved on his head. And this is where Michael J. Fox actually witnesses firsthand the Grim Reaper serial killer, mm-hmm. Bartlett, killing this guy by reaching into his chest and pulling on his heart and squeezing the fuck out of it till he's a ghost and he goes off into heaven yep <laughs> he's w- like mom and just goes <laughs> up into heaven he's like just like i wanted to after a 70 ounce prime rib dinner off to heaven yeah and then so does frank frank becomes a suspect suspect because mm-hmm. of that they see they they have reports of him looking White and sweaty emerging out of the bathroom just before the murder the murder was discovered. Mm-hmm. And then that's... Uh, he's arrested? I don't remember. Uh, he's taken into custody. And then while he's there, is that when... Uh, Dammers comes in. Yeah, and then finally... Milton Dammers. He starts... Right around this time, the movie starts getting a little better, a little less, uh, like... I don't know, confused, not confusing, but just like, what, what, what's going on? Why are they doing this? Why is this silliness happening? Right. But um, from that moment, he explains the whole backstory of Frank and how, you know, he had the accident with the wife and then the wife died. So he's just implicating that he thinks that Frank is actually the murderer, the killer. And yeah. that he's the one who's been doing it and that he's there to be, you know, go after him. For what he's done and bring him to justice or whatever. But, you know, we obviously know that ain't it. Um, And then at the same time, Lucy starts doing a little investigating, right? Yeah. I think this is where she's... um, What is she doing in this part? Oh, she goes to the the mother's house. Mm -hmm. And she's kind of... The big plotline that kind of is going through up until sort of the last 30 minutes, like Omar is saying, is she thinks it's the mother killing people. Oh, yeah. With the, so she, like, with the Dracula she, she, hair. Yeah, she th- with, the butt, with the butt hair. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she thinks she's going to be trying to save Patty from this evil old lady in this haunted house and blah, blah, blah. But that's, we all know that it mm-hmm. doesn't turn out to be the case. But she's sort of trying to figure out, and that's where she gets the mother's backstory on her daughter and how her daughter will never leave the house and um, can't leave the house, and blah, 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 and she's still dangerous, basically. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Frank's kind of in jail, right? Yeah, Milton... And they get out? Milton is sweating him. I think this is the part where, because Milton does this weird psychological thing with, with Frank, that Frank sort of, for some reason, loses his ghost powers... Yeah, because they, uh, well, they first go through the process of killing him, right? Or is that That's later? later? Okay, so I forgot. Remember that the two ghosts come in and visit him while he's in the holding cell, and they're like, he's, he's, he doesn't believe oh, anymore. Oh, yeah, then that was another waste apparently of time, he's so, I think. Because he's so shook from remembering, mm-hmm. which he already remembers. He's already trying, well, like, why would him being reminded of how his wife died trigger him to be not seeing ghosts anymore? Yeah, or maybe he was... <coughs> connecting that it it was the serial killer going through and that it actually killed his wife and now Maybe he that was it. and he has to go um 
see what I mean, like just kind of think of the next thing. But then they visit him, and then Lucy comes and visits him. Or I, I forgot because she comes and talks to him, and she he's like turned around asleep on the bed. Yeah. And then finally they start talking, and they say, uh, you know, we gotta we gotta go do a, this mission or go, you know, stop the bad right. guys and. That's essentially where she helps Frank freeze to death so he can die, right? At that, yeah. After that, essentially. Yeah. And Frank needs to die in order for him to kill, get the Grim Reaper because... Again, there's a the scene between world. those two things we just said that I couldn't remember if you fucking force-tortured me because there's just a lot of, you know, making exposition, making things work. You know, why does he have to become a ghost to fight the ghost... Couldn't tell you, but that's where they're trying to get to. So that's what happens. Made sense. I guess it makes sense. Yeah, you know? yeah. And because he couldn't do anything to him, you know, in, in the in corporeally. Ex- yeah, and then so and then that's when uh, Dammers he 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 kidnaps Lucy for a while, or he takes her, right? Uh, yeah, right. And then that's the whole like I, uh, you know, he takes his shirt off and he, the, the swastika is showing on his hand. He like he, uh, he has this weird dialogue that I could not remember that I did not remember from previous viewings where he talks about being Charlie Manson's <laughs> sex slave on Spawn Ranch for six months. Yep, and then he shows the, and then we should also note that every time a woman raises her voice to him, he gets violently sick mm. and says at various points in this movie you're all the same while like either hitting them or trying to chase them down with a gun and th- those were moments where lucy was just like yelling at the top of her lungs so take it or leave it whatever you want with that but then within that little moment then we see uh frank see, fighting like, the grim reaper within that scene yeah uh briefly before that there's lots of moments that i just for life of me cannot remember and it sounds jumbled folks and that's because the movie is jumbled but like, what? Why is Dammers taking her in the cop car? Where is he taking her? Do you remember? No, I think he just wanted to uh, like take her to find out where. But then Frank he was. like has this like he stops the car, gets out, and has this whole does the whole thing. Yeah, mm-hmm, and takes his shirt off. And, and then everything. he says he like has mind powers and thinks he's moving the car back, which is actually Michael J. Fox is a ghost driving the car. Yeah. <laughs> Like, why did he get out of the car? I thought he was driving her someplace. And then that's, yeah, and essentially after that scene, that's when Michael J. Fox discovers that the the Grim Reaper is actually mm-hmm. uh, Jake Busey or whatever. They have the, a fight. He has the ghost machine guns. Yep. And they fight in the mental mental ho- hospital? Or no, the, first he fights him in the graveyard. Oh, okay, yeah. Before and then that. he uses his own Grim Reaper scythe to, like, cut his face off, sort of. Remember that that Necronomicon? Yeah, effect? he does that to uh, yeah da- to Busey to Dammers. No, to Bartlett. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. he like cuts off his monster face and then hits it till it turns into Johnny Bartlett. Yeah, and then he or, melts. Did you get up for that scene? Yeah. Okay. No, not yet, not yet, because there were still. That's around where that where he finally defeats him. Right. He and he's a and he's about to kill him. And he gets re- and he gets revived. revived by the doc in the in the doctor's office, and he has like the 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 snow goatee. Yep, <laughs> yeah. And then he wakes up from that. We kind of like lost it a little bit there, like we, because uh, yeah, I do remember that now. He almost beat him. He gets revived. Then they're together again. 
And then they then then the next plot is to get the killer's ashes to consecrate consecrated ground. Yeah. So they invest. so they go to the old lady's mansion again. The old lady's there. She's and the no, daughter. No, no, Patty. Pat, Patricia can't leave. She's too dangerous. Mm-hmm. She goes upstairs. The daughter goes upstairs. Then comes back down, and this is where we see that the we now we now see John Bartlett not as the Grim Reaper, but as his electrified corpse human yeah. form. Yeah. And we see that he's there and that the doctor can't <laughs> see him. Yeah. But he's like, you know, let me kill her, let me kill her. And Patricia's sort of talking to him, but the doctor thinks she's talking to her. And she's trying to get her to leave because she still thinks that she's not the bad guy. Well, and then there's a, you know some weird sexual stuff where the Patty is like stabbing the ghost and he's acting like that's like really turning him on and getting his dick hard. Yeah. And then the doctor eventually goes upstairs looking for the mom and finds her brutally stabbed body. And this is where Patty busts in with the knife a la Psycho and tries to kill her, at which point now we realize there are two-header team of serial killers, you know, and I think I think the doctor just gets to just manages to run away. Yeah, and then that that was a good time in that house. You get uh, some different shots, the knife, and then the shotgun eventually right. used by uh, Patricia. They do manage to steal John Bartlett's ashes from Patty's room. Yeah, and then this is where we you know we learn like, oh, okay, Patricia's still in love with with uh, with Bartlett, and then they're in cahoots. They're together, right? Right. And where's the nearest chapel? Uh, in the old abandoned uh, sanatorium. Yeah, so they had to go there and try to get rid of it. And this is where some cool stuff... Peter Jackson does do some pretty cool stylistic stuff in this movie where we see the black and white newsreel-esque footage from the 60s. Yeah. Of John Bartlett actually being you know, on news footage as if it's, as if it's after the post-killing. And then we get the sort of sepia tone flashbacks to him with long ha- with uh, Frank with long hair playing basketball, and then here we get to scenes where Frank is wandering through the halls of the insane asylum looking for um, the chapel, and he starts having ghost flashbacks to the day of the mass killing. Yeah, in the psychiatric has uh, a psychiatric hospital, which the the chapel's like connected to it. It's it's yeah, it's on the fourth floor. They say yeah. So then, uh, but he's like seeing the events as they happen. He's seeing John Bartlett shotgunning people, but then he starts seeing our girl Patty, little fifteen-year-old Patty, also killing folks just in their beds and shit. Yep, yep. So he sees that it wasn't like just an accessory. They were like double killing people. Yeah. So is it really, uh, I don't know, that was a fun scene. A lot of chaos, a lot of killing, a lot of scene chewing by Although there uh, was that, that funny part that you brought up where he's in a flashback. He's clearly seeing things that have already happened. He knows they've already happened. And then we see a live John Barlett pull, pull a shotgun out and aim it at somebody. And Michael J. Fox he thinks he's going to dodge a bullet for that guy and <laughs> t- try and take a hit for him as it just like passes through him and hits that guy that died anyway yeah like her reaction he but then had. there are other times where he like admittedly tries to dodge bullets from the past bullets mm-hmm. the past ghost bullets and then Dahmer shows up right uh yeah Dahmer and then uh Dahmer. he's the one who ends up uh spilling the ashes right releasing yeah. him uh yeah. Bartlett again 
He's like, let me guess. You think you need to take these ashes to con- consecrate a ground so you can get rid of the evil and, f- f- you know, free us all from this violent, you know, thing. And he goes, that's a bunch of bullshit. And just, like, pours the ashes out a window to which we see then, like, a goblin. Yeah, and then uh, Patricia blows his head off. Yeah. <laughs> Dahmer's head off. Yeah, and then uh, that uh, obviously that's when the moment when Frank's like, oh, okay, that's Barlin and then Patricia. Right. They both were the reason why my wife, the cut in her head, forehead or whatever, mm-hmm. the reason why he's been going through all that, which makes it even worse or harder because like man i've been like dealing with you fuckers all the whole movie and then now i find out you're the reason well yeah and the doctor reveals that she found his old exacto knife that had been stolen from the car crash scene in the in the in the dresser of patricia at her house with the fb on it you know and then so Patricia, she kills Dahmer's, and then she kills. Then she kills Frank. <laughs> it's Dahmer's. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it is. Da- he is da- Dahmer's. He, I'm surprised no one mentioned Dahmer. We are talking. We are talking we about are in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah, but like, uh, so then she chokes out Frank, but then Frank rips Patricia's. Well, Frank's spirit comes out of him. Yeah. And he takes Patricia's spirit out of her again. <laughs> ghost yeah. physics. We don't know. But he starts bringing her up to heaven with him, and he goes to heaven, mm-hmm. sees his two old buddies, who one of which has gotten rid of his afro and dressed a little more yeah, contemporary. Yeah. Uh, the other guy is a nerdlinger in his ghost life, but apparently in heaven he's getting laid a bunch. Um, so he's up in heaven, and there's this weird part where the two serial killer ghosts are like haha you fucker we're still we're going back to earth we got more killing to do yeah to which point the heaven tunnel turns into a bunch of cgi gloopy insides that poke around in their ghost eyeballs and mouths and ears and then the camera draws back through this reddish tunnel to reveal it's a it's a giant crab worm monster that turns around and goes straight down into what is presumably hell. Uh, <laughs> and they call that the old hell train or something like that. Yeah. Uh, that was some PS1 it, graphics. Yeah, and it was nonsense. But uh, I get it. You have to show them going to hell somehow. But it was quite a leap to go towards, like, you know, worm monster diving back into hell, which just kind of comes out of nowhere. And then you get the classic moment where, you know, the people up in heaven are like, it's not your time yet, bud. Yeah. You got to go back. So he comes you back. You have unfinished business. Right. Like banging that doctor. <laughs> yeah. And then so he goes back. He's a human again. Mm-hmm. And they're having a nice little picnic. And the, the, the fat sheriff comes back. And he's like, L- listen, I'm going to just sugarcoat whatever happened and re-explain what we just learned about everything so that we're sure the audience gets it. But in the plot, but what he said was that they found a bunch of Ouija boards in Patricia's room. A bunch of a bunch of Ouija boards. Maybe Not one. Why would you need more than one? Right. And that's how she was communicating I guess maybe with Bartlett. It, it's hit or miss which Ouija board can actually connect with spirits. Yes, or once you use they also found like a, a ghost dildo and a bunch of ectoplasm in a jar and Well imagine if you're having conversations with your husband you probably wear out the board, you know, so you gotta get like a new one, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean that I guess and then they figured out that it was Patricia or whatever. 
and then we get one, one last shot of uh, Dahmer's in ghost form in the back seat of the cop, and uh, Michael J. Fox is like, yeah, you got a guardian angel with you, and it's Dahmer's. The sheriff also tries to quote unquote get out of the police business by writing a book about what they witnessed, which the fat cop didn't see much of fucking anything. He just no, he didn't. He didn't. He wasn't even there. He just wanted to be part of it. And then this is uh, another. We forgot to mention just because Dammers is dead now a ghost. He does have terrible hemorrhoids and needs a hemorrhoid donut to drive his car. When he was in human form, right now he gets to sit. Because he's a ghost. Yep. But then, no more hemorrhoids. But then Lucy could see him too, because now Lucy can see ghosts. Uh, because when a traumatic event happens, no matter what, yeah. now you can see and talk and touch ghosts. The end, and then it says the frighteners will return. In in part two, more ghost fucking. They never. Remember when the old man judge ghost was fucking the mummy? Exactly. That was another random scene, but fun, entertaining as this film. Now, let's get to these ratings. Let's see what, uh, would you like to go first or I go Um, first? it was your pick. Let's go with you first. Okay. Uh, three, three stars for me. Okay. Um, in high levels of entertainment, um, the second half really is like the, the good, like that's what Peter Jackson is known for. And then like he's smoothing it out because his first movies were very rough. Um, but still entertaining and fun, but like lots of blood, like overdoing a lot of things. But it, that's it. That was his style. Where this one is like, okay, here's my chance to tame it. But it just felt like the studio had their dirty little fingers in it a little too much, and he had to do the best he could. And you see the DNA in there, but just like a lot of the silliness, or maybe it was Peter Jackson's writing, but I don't know. Like just, I just really wasn't into the first like twenty minutes. But man, it the, the movie picks up, the concepts are great, the afterlife stuff, like a, a a ghost serial killer that wants to like get his numbers up. That's that. I that was my it's favorite part. Yeah, no, keep going. Yeah. I don't <laughs> want to interrupt. Yeah, but no, and that's pretty much all I got. I don't want to steal too much of your ideas, but yeah, three out of five. A good one, man. It's a good one. Thanks for the gift. You're welcome. I must say. And You'll uh, watch it in another ten years. <laughs> yeah, probably. It's not like a strong rewatch, but man, I hope in ten years it's maybe I'll like I'll watch it with my daughter when she's ten. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, here's an idea. Let me think. Of, let me have you think of this before I start on my my rating. Wouldn't this be a better? Um, Fifty-minute uh, tales from the crypt episode. Yeah, like part of an anthology or an episode. On yeah. The, it would. Like, shorten it, like, imagine all the cool scenes that we love in this movie. If, man, if, the, if those were just put together in... Tight 50. Tight 50 with a serial killer ghost. I don't know. It just it just was, while you were talking it... Because, man, the, the first 35 minutes is not intolerable. We were laughing at the movie. There was lots of like, why the fuck are they trying this? Is is this? Maybe you're right though, because there hasn't been a Peter Jackson comedy that I found funny. Yeah. I, I don't. I haven't ever laughed aloud at Meet the Feebles, Dead Alive, or Bad Taste. You don't. You don't like the Kiwi humor. Maybe not. I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe it was just that con confluence of Kiwi ideas and American movie making that didn't quite gel initially with this sort of thing. Anyway, um, 
I have to say, I do have fond memories of, of watching this on the Sci-Fi Channel around this time of year. I think it's had to have been theatrical cuts because this is way longer than I remember it being. Well, apparently they said apparently 14 or 15 minutes. Uh, I'm going to be right there with you with a three star. I don't think I can quite give it the three and a half. Um, the the scenes I, I the scenes I I do like in the movie I really like in the movie. Um, you can feel that sort of energetic indie filmmaker with a with a major film production budget coming out. Um, sign of greater things to come, definitely. Um, you can tell that his spirit is there in those scenes, but there's just too. I feel like Michael J. Fox was maybe miscast. I don't know. I don't think he. I don't think he does. How it dare bad. you? I don't think he was a bad actor, but I just feel like. And maybe the roles in general, besides Jeffrey Combs. Um, you did bring up Eric Stoltz quite a bit. Yeah, well, that's because there was there was tons of Back to the Future shit in this. Where like, you know, yeah, just feel like the Elvis dude, the the Doc's husband, was a bit like Biff. Uh, Marty McFly is in there, obviously, just as himself. He looks like Eric Stoltz in the past scene. You know, I was expecting Crispin Glover to walk in at <laughs> yeah. any moment. Um, um, <laughs> he would. You know, upside down in that little thing in Back to the Future too. Um, but uh, I just feel like if this was initially, maybe the budget hurt this movie. Maybe this should have been a lower budgeted, you know, horror movie with a little bit of money, but not too much money. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about the, the really shitty CGI moments that are in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Jackson was just not quite ready for big Hollywood movies yet, and uh, and whether it's the script or the studio meddling, ultimately doesn't matter anymore. It matters on whether or not you just like it or don't like it. I like the movie, but um, again, this it'll be a while before I rewatch. Um, I do also like that Jake Busey did. This is probably the only really good Jake Busey role. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't Starship Troopers, maybe? Yeah, but he's barely in that. Right. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. This is like maybe the only meaty Hollywood level product. Like, I think he was in that one sex comedy, Tomcat, Tomcat or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do, li- I do like him as the creepy serial killer in this movie. D. Wallace does give a good, very psycho performance in this movie mm-hmm. um oh we saw we forgot to mention we saw david crosby in this movie <laughs> yeah in, in a couple of funeral scenes thing. yeah <laughs> uh and at least like three danny devito looking motherfuckers yeah and peter jackson does a cameo and a director as, as a pierced leather jacketed punk you should say because you said he uh you know he just wasn't ready yet and then he does go on to do lord of the rings afterwards yeah. but you should say your story of the weta computers oh yeah this is <laughs> a little bit this is like he says in he says in just a little introduction but also it's further explained that actually i almost i almost prefer you guys watch the documentary if not the movie uh, based on what we've told you about it but the documentary is really interesting but basically this is the birth of weta as a company that is actually excelling in the development of digital effects, some practical effects. But he says they went from like, you know, three computers to a hundred computers for this movie. Cause it's all down in New Zealand that the movie was filmed down there as much as they tried to imply that this is California <laughs> undoubtedly filmed in New Zealand. Yeah. And, uh, if nothing else, this movie's worth it for just being the birth of that company. Yeah. I mean, um, 
you know, you gotta have you gotta have those couple shitty first ones before you can start making, you know, great shit like Lord of the Rings and damn near every solid, you know, a horror digital effect movie that's come out since then. Um, also, I wanted to mention the Danny Elfman uh, thing is that I don't know if you know this, but um, in 1993, uh, uh, Tim Burton was producing A Nightmare Before Christmas mm-hmm. with, um, uh, what's his face? Uh, the director? Uh, what's his name? Yes. Oh. Henry Selleck. I knew I almost had it because I was going to say Selleck. But um, Henry Selleck as the director. And apparently Danny Elfman did the score for that film. We all know that. But he also wanted to sing the songs written for the film. Mm-hmm. And as we all know, Danny Elfman did not sing the songs for those songs and that. And Danny Elfman was pissed. Uh, Is he a good singer? N- no. Okay. He did sing for Oingo Boingo, Oingo but I don't. Boingo. I don't think I've heard some of his stuff for his reputed songs on that. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, it came down to a bit of a a producer's decision to either let him sing the songs or not. He, Tim Burton chose not to, so this is why we have the hiatus of the Burton Elfman filmography. Dingo Bingo. Which is he goes after Nightmare Before Christmas. He goes Black Beauty, Dolores Claiborne, To Die For, Dead Presidents, Freeway, Mission Impossible. The Frighteners, Secrets of the Crypt Keeper's Haunted House, Extreme Measures, and doesn't come back to doing a Tim Burton movie till 1996 with Mars Attacks. And they all sound like bum 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 That's it. Dead presidents that scene. They're they're in Vietnam. Uh oh god. Yeah, it's just the opening crawl from like, yeah. Beetlejuice playing over Nam footage. Maybe that picked up. No, and then uh, Nam footage is always like, <laughs> yeah, it's always <laughs> 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 for the Asian people. My mouth, man. Man, man, man. Oh, no, 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 we do love Peter Jackson. And, and we I, love I yeah. And I don't feel like we were, the, even the parts that we sounded as, we got confused for a little bit there. I think like, this movie is confusing because it's all bits that are tenuously with fucking scotch tape tied yeah, together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's the Peter Jackson way in the beginning. And you gotta mm-hmm. give him credit. He got some money. He did a... Uh, he did okay, man, and like I, I want to say, go back to our we, we were watching it together. We kept turning over and laughing. We kept looking over to each other and just kind of like saying, "This is wild, dude." Or we would comment on it, but we were still enjoying it. We weren't watching it as like it's like, what was Peter Jackson thinking? We were like, "Well, this is kind of funny still." You know? Yeah. Guess and, guess the user rating on IMDb for this film. I think I was looking at it. Did like, you what see is it? it? 7.1. Yeah, so hey, it's it's at a so, ni- at a 94,000 votes. So there's there's probably people listening to this saying like, "Man, you guys are off, you know?" Or, mm. you the know, meta score. Mm-hmm. What's your guess for the meta score? I don't know. Is it around what we're saying? Yes. <laughs> what is it's it? a 52. Okay, okay. So well, 3 out of 5, that's like a what, a 7 out of 10? Yeah, so I guess I, there shouldn't be anybody upset with us. We're right on target for this. 
If you're upset with us, write all your emails to agent. Okay? <laughs> www.shoveitupyourass.gmail.com12. No, but totally, dude. Because this is... Uh, and also with the Danny Elfman, it's just kind of like Peter Jackson's like, hey, look, I can do Tim Burton too. You know? Budget of this? Guess. Mm. Um, 30 million. Holy shit, you got it right on the nice, fucking head. Nice, perfect. And guess how much it made worldwide. Don't get, don't get crazy. Don't think too hard about it. Think about what you think this movie could do back then in terms of money. 22 million. You're very, very close. <laughs> well, 29 million. 29. Oh, wow. So, so this film did lose money. R.I.P. Peter Jackson. He never worked <laughs> he, again after this. Yeah, what a bum. He didn't do <laughs> <Yeah>. shit. <laughs> so we talked about a forgotten film from a forgotten director with yeah. you guys today. Um, two, three out of fives. That has been... From two, three out of tens. <laughs> from the, the, yeah, no, no shit. Uh, these, these three out of tens give this three out of ten movie a three out of ten. <laughs> this has been Slob Cinema talking about The Frighteners, Peter Jackson's 1996 film. Thank you for listening. See you.